Hey everybody, it's November 28th, it's like 11 o'clock at night, I'm at the lady's house and I'm recording this introduction to uh, the part two of this very special podcast I recorded with my good friend Joe Dunlap. So I'm up late tonight because as announced, today we're releasing the second part of a very special podcast that was recorded on November 20th with my good friend Joe Dunlap. Again, this is part two of that podcast that was recorded November 20th. We released part one earlier this week. It was a bit late, and we're releasing part two on the um, night of Black Friday, um, as promised. Before we jump into the podcast, I'll be making some NFL picks. So here we go with those right now. Uh, This is being recorded after the Thanksgiving games. Uh, For the record, I got the Lions game wrong. I picked the Bears. I did pick the Eagles, and I did pick the Seahawks to win, so I was two of three on those. And I have broken my streak for pick of the week. I did get the last pick right when I picked the 49ers to beat the Redskins. So starting with the 1 o'clock games on Sunday, we have the aforementioned Redskins playing at the Colts. Uh, Even though Colt McCoy will be starting for the Redskins, since Gruden has benched RG3, I'm still going with the Colts as a heavy favorite in that game. Next at 1 o'clock, it's the Titans at the Texans. I'm going to pick the Texans in that game. Browns at Bills. I'm going to pick the Browns at that game, although I suspect that's going to be a very good game uh, with the Bills playing very well recently and it being at home uh, after the Bills missing a home game last week. The Chargers at Ravens. I'm going with the Ravens. And we'll talk more about the next podcast with the recent news that Ray Rice has been reinstated into the NFL. Uh, Continuing on with the 1 o'clock game, Giants at Jaguars. I'm picking the New York Giants. Uh, Bengals at Buccaneers, picking the Cincinnati Bengals. Raiders at Rams. I'm picking the Rams at home. The Saints at Steelers. I'm picking the Saints on the road for a big win in a very horrible division. Uh, Saints to move ahead. I'm, uh, I'm predicting that they take the lead in their division this week. Panthers at Vikings. I'm going to take the Panthers on this one. Uh, Cardinals at Falcons. I'm going to take the Cardinals uh, on this one, which is how the Saints, if they win, I predict they're going to move ahead. And uh, in this conference, 4-7 and seven is leading that conference right now, which is horrible. Um, so that's the Cardinals at Falcons is the first 4 o'clock game. And then at 425, we have the Patriots at Green Bay. I'm going to pick the Green Bay Packers at home on Lambeau uh, to really make a statement that they're the top team in the NFL right now. And then lastly, Broncos at Chiefs at 830 on Sunday. I'm going to pick the Broncos. And then finally on the Monday night game, Dolphins at Jets. I'm going to pick the Dolphins. Uh, Jets have been playing horrible. They just benched Michael Vick and have announced that Geno Smith will be the starter there. The Dolphins are coming off of a big win and a a very competitive uh, last few games that they've had. And Ryan Tannehill, um, as I said before, the way Ryan Tannehill plays determines the Dolphins. If he's getting above that quarterback rating of 90, the Dolphins seem to be winning. I don't think this game is going to be a runaway game for the Dolphins. Uh, the, De- the Jets are a bitter rival, and they are going to have a reason to uh, step up and play the Dolphins a bit harder, and I predict they they do do that, but I'm sticking with the Dolphins for the win. I'm looking forward to watching that game. Uh, this week with my lock of the week uh, here, I'm going to... As I said earlier in one of the podcasts, try to pick a team that's different each and every week for the lock of the week. Uh, So I'm going here uh, with the Patriots Packers. So for those doubters who say I never take a gamble or I never choose a hard game, here it is. I'm going with the Packers as the lock of the week. Packers, 425 game. That'll be on CBS. So tune in and and watch that. These are the the picks. uh, Excuse me for... uh, We'll be talking more.
next week. And uh, right here, uh, right now, you'll be listening to, uh, again, let me introduce this segment. Uh, This was a conversation Joe Dunlap and I had on November 20th. Uh, We recorded a very special podcast. We're going to jump right into me talking to Joe about uh, what's been going on with our life. And then we we reminisce about high school for a little bit. And then we get into a very detailed conversation about Thanksgiving, which that will begin at 22.15. So to review, Joe and I are going to jump right in, talk about life and catch up. And then at 13.45, Joe and I are going to talk about high school and reminisce. And then at 22.15, we're going to have a 20 or so minute conversation about Thanksgiving and a lot of details. So without further ado, here it is, part two of the very special podcast. All right, so what's going on in your life? How are you doing? What's, it's been a while. I don't want to drag down ratings in your podcast so early in its uh, development, but I got two kids. And I'm in my 30s, so ain't much going on in my life. But I guess something that might be interesting if you want to talk about this. Beck and I took our first vacation since having kids uh-huh. at the end of October. We got to go on a cruise ship. Okay. And uh, that's why I sent you those pictures of, of Cuba that I saw from a distance. I, I figured, who who were the kids with? Who would you leave the kids with? Left them with Nana. Okay. Uh, was, was that the first time that Becca has been away from all the kids for that duration? Yeah, for both of us. How... How did mom do? How was Becca being away from the kids for that long? I mean, you know, you miss your kids. Uh, she broke down, I think it was Thursday night, the second to last night of our cruise. It was a seven-day cruise. Uh-huh. She broke down and decided to pay the two bucks per minute to, to call the kids. Did so, did she break down before you did? I, would, I mean, we both wanted to call them, but she wanted to call them all week. Okay. Uh, just back in. I was pretty sure they were going to survive. But, you know, a $20 phone call to I guess you can put a dollar price on good parenting. There it is, America. Yep, there it is. Uh, so where where did the cruise go? I, obviously, you sent me those pictures, so I'm going to assume it was in the Caribbean. Yeah, and obviously it doesn't matter where it goes when you're in your Caribbean and you have kids because you're just trying to sleep on the boat and do have your own schedule, really. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Cayman, Jamaica, and Cabo, Mexico. Okay. That was the thing. And it was just so awesome to be so accessible back then. And then here we are, a cruise ship full of, you know, a bunch of Americans just taking a week off somewhere. And there's this forbidden island that used to be the, in its heyday, it was where we went. So it's yeah. They, the I'm lost. Sure from a distance, I saw Guantanamo uh, on the way there. And on the way back, I'm pretty sure I saw from a distance Savannah. So um, it was just So you could. Like, do you do you say that it was Guantanamo because you can clearly see like it looked like a naval base with the the fences and nonsense and obviously naval ships. No, you just saw a few strobe lights and you know that there's nothing else around there. Okay. Geographically, and on the boat they have this little map that shows you where your GPS coordinates exactly where you're at, and we were lined up right with it. So. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Um. What was the cheesiest entertainment on the cruise? Uh, you know, all of it. It's just, it's just a good time. We were on a carnival cruise ship. They're known as the fun ship. So they're doing all sorts of cheesy stuff. Karaoke left and right. Um, all sorts of fake awards or fake trivia games. They do this kind of Broadway show type thing every night, which Becca loved. And um, I didn't dislike it, but um, they repeated a lot of shows, so it got kind of okay. old. Okay, okay. Right, right. <clears throat> well, that's 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 good. That's exactly why we do the life section. That's uh, a fun, 
a fun little tidbit. Uh, so growing, going on a cruise, definitely more exciting than anything I would have said in this section. Uh, I would have just talked about my sailboat, which is still on land, so quite unsuccessful. No, you should talk about that, though, because you, have you worked on it at all, even if it's on land? Um, not since last week. Uh, last week, as I, I said in that podcast, I cleaned out uh, the cockpit. Uh, the week before, my dad came down with me, and we, like, unloaded. It is astonishing the amount of stuff that this man left in his boat when he's, like, he literally sold me the boat as is. Um, yeah. So in the cockpit, there are three... Uh, storage areas, and I'm in the, they're fairly large storage areas. It's just, it's essentially, um, you know, all the way down into the fiberglass of the boat. Um, I like I could fit, I could go into each one of these spaces. That's how large it is, and um, there must be five of those large Tupperware containers just full of stuff, plus like two boxes. Like that's it's just astonishing all the things that that we found in there. Um, and then I was able to clean, um, clean the cockpit and, um, next week it's supposed to be in the sixties. So I plan on doing some sanding. I want to sand down the paint. Um, so it, I'm, I'm at least on track to get her in the water by the spring. So there's at least a timeline going and it, there is some motivation on coming here every week and saying publicly that I have or haven't done work, even though no one's really listening to this podcast yet. Um, you know, there is that, that external motivation, which is good. So have you told, I, I forget, I don't think you, I've heard you mention your boat yet on your podcast, but have you told everyone what the name of your boat is? The, like the current name as I bought it? No, the name you're giving it. Um, like what name did I tell you that I'm giving it? I don't even remember. I thought you were throwing names around your head and it was going to happen. I don't know. That's an important decision I'm told you on the boat, so I was just curious to ask about it. It is. It is very important. Um, I think I talked about this. I'm not sure. And one of the pod, I don't know, actually. Um, the boat has had two names, so I know there is a superstition that you don't change the name of a boat. So I do feel that in the world of superstitions that that bad juju would be with the former owner because he's the one that changed the name. So I don't feel bad changing it now because her name has been changed. Um, the current name of the boat is Solitaire. And the original name of the boat, I believe, was Remedy. And I plan on changing the name of the boat to some form of the word hope. Um, so either uh, Esperanza, which is hope in Spanish, or uh, Spera, which is hope in Latin. Um that's where I'm at right now, but it, it could change. But that's where I'm at right now. What makes you go that route? Or is that something not worth talking about in this podcast? Uh, I probably, um, I don't know. Be, the, the, the boat, you know, to me represents this, uh, this tinge of hope. I mean, the, the story of how I got it. And uh, I, I'll talk about that another time uh, just so we don't bog down this space right here. Um, but yeah. Uh, Anything else you have besides the boat going on? Uh, not, not really. Um, just the boat. Really, that's the, that's the big thing. And then gearing up for Thanksgiving, which would be a perfect transition, uh, to our main topic of the podcast. But before we get to Thanksgiving, I was thinking about this before, like when you asked to come on and I was writing up like what we're going to talk about today. What is your first memory of meeting? Because I was going to, when I introduced you, I was going to say like, oh, my good friend Joe, and then say like how we know each other, which is through high school. We know each other. I moved to St. Mary's County my junior year, but I couldn't quite remember. Like, I don't have like a first meeting memory. I just remember that in indoor track, you called me Fidel, which definitely made an impression on me. But prior to that, I don't... Did we have a class together junior year? Do you remember? Do you, you have a better memory for me? No, I don't have a distinct memory, but um, my earliest memories were before that was um, Wiesner's... Was it Trig or Preager or whatever they called it? Was uh, it? But I remember that being a fall cl- or a spring class. You do? 
Yeah. Did we have Wiesner all year? Was he an all year class or was he? I clearly know we had him in the spring. That I don't remember, to be honest. I want to say it was a year long class, but I, I, I really have no clue. I, I don't remember either. I know. Cal- I, I, I know senior year calculus was half a year. Um, yeah, yeah. But I don't remember trigonometry, which the, I'm sure the story that you would want to reference here, I'll go ahead and start to tell, was <clears throat> Kevin Holmes, uh, a mutual you know friend that went to high school with us. Um, I don't know what I don't know how we got into this argument. I don't know what we're arguing about, but I guess one of his parents is in the Navy, and my father is a retired Marine, and I just like lost my shit in the middle of class and I'm like yelling at Kevin about the Marine Corps and Wiesner just very calmly like told me to get out, just like leave his class. <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I have a lot of vague memories of you just being very, I don't know if irritable is the right word. Um, you're very quick to jump on something you get excitable, which is probably why I decided to do fun things like call you Fidel. Right. I know that didn't really bother you too much, but you're one of the more cerebral guys I know who, who really thinks things out, you know, before you act and all that other stuff. So he's, you might have matured a lot, but man, you were sure fun to, to hang around with for all the wrong reasons. Second junior year of high school, I guess you could say. Yeah, I guess that actually, yeah. Um, I would say there's still some topics that I, I that personality trait probably is not completely gone. Uh, well, I mean, no, but... Yeah, but uh, I, I definitely have realized that that's a thing that... I do. I do remember because you called me Fidel. Uh, Will Christian, phenomenal human being, probably one of the greater runners to come out of Great Mills High School, um, ran for Virginia. Um, he thought you were serious, and I remember one day he pulled me aside uh, because I don't know why he connected with me. Not a lot of minorities, I guess, on the indoor track team, but um, he pulls me aside and he's like, "Dude, you can't let people." like, call you things like that, like, you gotta, like, you gotta stick up for yourself, and I was like, I don't think he's serious, well, and he's like, look, man, it's, we gotta stick together, and he was, like, so deeply concerned that, like, this hate crime was happening in our indoor track team. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, he's right, I mean, <laughs> I was innocuous, but, but, I still, you know, as a 16-year-old kid, you just don't think of that kind of stuff, but, right, um, that could be construed as bullying, he was valid. It, I, if, Probably in this day and age, it it could be considered bullying, I guess. So it's good, though, that at least you don't have some distinct memory of meeting me, and I'm just like a horrible friend, and I don't have this. Well, I also also remember, I only called you Fidel for a little while, and then I started calling you Artie, which actually got under your skin more, I think. But since we were friends by then, you you let it slide. It was cool for whatever reason. Yeah, you were for the longest time, I think still to this day, Dunlaps are the only people I allow to call me that. Your mom to this day still calls me that. <laughs> I think that's because when I introduced you, that's the phase we're in in our friendship. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I would agree with you that that probably upset me more than calling me Fidel. Um, considering I grew up in North Carolina, and trust me, I was called much worse things by people who actually met them. So this goofy white kid calling me Fidel in the middle of Maryland really didn't bother me that much. Yeah, well, I just think I remember you, you, you talked about a lot about being Cuban. Maybe that's why I did it. Right. Although you would have just been, you know, another kid in class. Right. I, I'm not, not that I'm defending who I was in, when I was 16. <laughs> I'm just, I remember a lot of, every other sentence there was something happening to do with you being Cuban by us or by you and it just kept happening for whatever reason it probably is you know high school tough age gotta find something of who you are i don't know um we'll move on to thanksgiving i'll tell one more story just because to i still love this story to this day uh and we brought up indoor track senior year indoor track um mr joe dunlap is what what event were you running so you know the story i'm gonna tell uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't have been on that track because I was slow, <laughs> but it was some kind of relay. So, so Joe's... I'm guessing, you know that. Joe's running a relay, and we're at the... Uh, what's the name of that complex? And um, it's right there where the Redskins play. Do you remember the name of it? 
I don't. I want to say it was just called PG Sports Complex, but I don't know. I think that sounds right. So let's call it that. The PG Sports Complex. It, it's a beautiful facility if you're in the area or have any reason to go to a f- indoor track facility. But Joe's coming around the, uh, it would have been the front turn in an indoor track. And our school colors are green and gold. And right next to us was another school. Was it, um, I don't remember. That's not important. Their school colors also green and gold. And that school was very African-American. Just everybody on that team. And then you have the Great Mills indoor track team, which for some reason was very white. And Joe's turning the corner and he waves at what he thinks is our team. And it is not our team. It is the all African-American indoor track team right next to us. And the part that I love is how confused they were at, quote, who's this honky waving at us? That, to, to this day, I still thoroughly enjoy their reaction. But I think you enjoy more, it would have been our coach's reaction to this situation. Oh, absolutely. Basically, he was a, it seemed like he was apologizing to me, saying that if I did something like that again, he'd have to throw me off the team. <laughs> Which is great. This sincere appreciation of, look, kid, I really enjoyed what you did, and I laughed at it, but we can't have this. Well, he said that he got kicked off the team for doing the same thing. Isn't that funny? I never but knew that. I never knew that. Yeah, that's why he said it. So. I put him in a tough spot. Like, I, I felt bad, and, and he saw that. So, and I, I mean, not that was a, a prideful moment. I mean, you see who I waved at. Right. <laughs> we can call it that um so all right good trip down memory lane um thanksgiving there it is and i had this perfect transition i don't know we we had it about five minutes ago and then i ruined it and now i'm back to if there's one thing i don't do well in this podcast is transition i have horrible transitions you had it you just wanted to tell that last story because it was uh well i just spent the first part talking about things at your expense so it's only fair that that was rebutted yeah okay that's fair all right so thanksgiving here it is um i'll let you start because you wanted to talk about thanksgiving so go ahead well most of want to talk about it because i know we've talked in the past so it's your favorite holiday clearly that proclamation and uh and i think in theory i want it to be mine too but i have some issues with it or rather i think thanksgiving has its own issues but okay let's um, Let's do this. What are your issues with Thanksgiving? Go. Well, I think I think that a lot of Thanksgiving that could be great is buried under the poor way in which we celebrate it. And I think we accuse Christmas of encroaching upon it. And I don't really think that's fair. I think that Christmas is a really good holiday that brings out the best in people. Yeah, you could argue it's really commercialized. And it is. But I was reading an article a few days ago that said um, America and Myanmar, or Burma, of all places, are the most benevolent, generous countries in the world. And, uh, you know, we choose a capitalistic way of expressing that, but um, there were three metrics that they measured for this. One was giving money, uh-huh. another one was volunteering, and another one was the likelihood that you would help a stranger. Okay. So it's not just straight money that makes America the most benevolent, at least according to this study, whatever it was. Um, so I refuse to believe that, you know, Christmas is just a big money grab, and now it's encroaching, now it's encroaching upon Thanksgiving. Here's why. Here's why. I think everyone celebrates Christmas too early because they like Christmas. If Thanksgiving were really that great, if it were celebrated properly, or if it just had a renaissance of some sort, which I think it does, then I think it wouldn't have this problem. Because here's what I think is wrong with Thanksgiving. I already disagree with you, and I don't even know how you're going to finish this. Go ahead. Here's what I think is what's wrong with Thanksgiving. Let's just just draw a line that there are way men celebrate it and there are way women celebrate it. 
the women get the warning because they get to watch the Macy's Day Parade. I'm assuming most guys don't like it, at least I don't. After that, maybe they get to watch the dog show for a little bit. And then the, the meal is, is at the worst time of the day because you can't do anything beforehand because you have to prepare the meal that happens between, you know, one to three. And then you can't really do anything afterward because it's too late in the day, you're running out of daylight. So everything focuses on this one meal. The rest of the day, you're watching TV. So the guys have to be subjected to something they don't want to watch early in the day. And then now there's two, or there was two, but now three or four football games? There's uh, there's three. There's three. There's the three. traditional Detroit morning game, the Dallas afternoon game, and now the very random, I don't even know who's playing this year. Uh, the third game. There's always there's now there's a night game. Um, I'm going to be the Niners Hawks or something like that. I know for for two years it was the 49ers and the Ravens and the Harbaugh's got to play each other. Um, but I don't know. Go ahead. Is is uh, is well, that? The point, point being is we all watch some tackle football, but you know, two games is a bit much for me, let alone. You know, those who aren't sports fans, so I just feel like the whole day is ruined by either the timing of the meal or the entertainment options surrounding the meal, and I don't know, I just feel like there could be so much more there, and so... Okay, did you did you say, you said Seahawks, didn't you? I want to say it's the Hawks Niners who are playing. Yeah, it is the Seahawks 49ers. There's three really good games. It's going to be Chicago at uh, Detroit, and then the Philadelphia Eagles at Dallas, and then the Seahawks at the 49ers. So those are three pretty good games that day, uh, one of which starts at noon. So before you get too deep into this tirade against Thanksgiving, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Point one if Thanksgiving was awesome, we would not let Christmas um, impede on the holiday. Is that is that fair that you you're saying that? Sure. Well, let me let me uh, clarify semantics. It's, it's the way we celebrated Thanksgiving. Okay. So okay. So since we celebrate it in such a poor way, we allow Christmas, which by default you're then logically saying we celebrate in a better way. Uh, a, you know, take over in November, and then your second point, you're saying it is a poor day structurally for entertaining men. Is that? Because well, women have to enjoy the afternoon and evening. So there's an inherent, I think, sexism. Absolutely. That. I don't know if you're supporting or you're either shining a light on. Can you clarify that? Shining a light on. Well, you, you can, if you want to point out things that are exploited, then yes. You could, there's also a, uh, an economic divide that I have some stuff to share with you too when, when we want to go there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, okay. And, and economically. So you're shining a light. Okay, I'm going to counter both those points, I think, just really quickly. Um, I, I'll start with the second one first. So the structure of the day, I'm going to argue, and I'm surprised because you have a rather large family, and I do, I'm an only child, and I've always like pictured what Thanksgiving would be like with this large, like a large family, and it would involve you know like a pickup football game in the front lawn, and like joking around with siblings, and then like the family is cooking. So I will, I've cooked one and a half Thanksgiving meals. Like I thoroughly enjoyed the year that I cooked Thanksgiving for my parents, and I thought it was great. I had, I cooked breakfast, my dad came over, and then him and I did a majority of the cooking, and, you know, we cracked open a few beers, we had the football game going on, and, like, it was fun. It was, so, I don't know, I, but I see what you're saying. And then the other thing that I've usually done on Thanksgiving, if there's any um, tradition that my family does have, is we usually watch a movie, which... The older I get, I feel guilty because I go out to watch a movie and these poor kids are usually working like they're, but I justify it in my own head by saying, hopefully they had Thanksgiving with their family and they're just working for the eight o'clock showing. But I know that's ignorant and foolish of me. 
so there is, I, I think there's things to do around the meal and maybe you're just not doing them. I would, that's my counter to that point. No, you're right. Um, I do those things. I, I'm speaking more culturally. Okay. Because if you, if you think about what most American families, I don't know this, I'm just shooting this out. It feels like most American families have pretty similar traditions around Christmas time, right? Um, it's not odd to see carolers on Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas morning, you got to open presents as soon as you get up. Um, it just, it, and Thanksgiving, the only thing that's set, it seems, is the meal. Um, the, the thing you're envisioning about playing football beforehand, you do see some of that in in pop culture and movies or something like that. So maybe that's the closest thing you have to your tradition. But otherwise, are, are there any cultural Thanksgiving traditions that you know evoke the Americana in us? Does that make sense? Um, gluttony and taking a nap. I I I I get what you're saying, and you're you're making a very good argument about it. I just inherently don't like it because. I, and you know how much I love Thanksgiving, um, and then how much, and how much I am disgusted by the commercialism of of Christmas. But I get I get what you're saying. I concede all points that you've made, um, and I don't have anything articulate to counter what you're saying besides just a very deep love for this holiday. No, I mean, you're right. I think, I think Thanksgiving is deserving of, it's, you know, on paper, it's the best holiday in terms of what's worthy to be celebrated. Absolutely. Um, it's, there's, there's no, it's, it's a holiday that's solely about family and being together and giving thanks. And there's like no gifts and there's nothing to take away from it. Um, I guess it's just like you're saying, it's poorly executed and there's no, like large cultural things that we do. Yeah, well, and I mean this from a cultural standpoint because then uh, hopefully the listeners would think, well, what about Easter and Christmas? Shouldn't you think those are the most important? And the answer is, well, yes, but those are something you live every. I think you live every day, um, acknowledging. Versus Thanksgiving, also something you want to live every day, acknowledging. But in terms of that, where we culturally come together um, to recognize one important thing within the human spirit, I would hope that we would come together and do something better for Thanksgiving than to just share a meal. I mean, some people have those cool stories where they, they start out in volunteering in some way to start Thanksgiving, and then they go and have um, their meal at home, or I don't even know what else there is out there. It's just, I know Thanksgiving is good for a lot of people. I just haven't seen many examples of. And, um, and my, my issue with Christmas, this commercialization, I would argue that, I mean, it's definitely happened with Thanksgiving. I mean, there's, um, is it Walmart that they're going to open at midnight the day of? Like, so they'll be open at midnight on Thursday. They're going to be open all of Thanksgiving. Maybe it's not Walmart, but it's one of these major companies. Uh, I, this is a good segue. Uh, if you have closing thoughts, go ahead. But this is a good segue to what I wanted to talk about with the economic disparity that brings about these that stores it, up. So, so it's it's, and I I agree with you. I I don't know if this is what you're gonna segue into the idea that Thanksgiving is more becoming a an idea where you know the lower class people who are working these retail jobs, whether it's the restaurants, it's you know commercial retail stores, uh, the theaters, they they're, they're keeping these businesses open so that the upper middle and upper class people can enjoy their holiday and have someone cater to them. Um, so there is there is the disparity in America. I think is starting to creep into um, the ability to celebrate and enjoy Thanksgiving. All right. Well, here's so here's what I got for you. First of all, that midnight opening thing. I uh-huh. think that was two years ago when that first happened. Um, no one's doing that anymore. They're opening earlier. If you can believe it, most most places, most your I don't even know what you call them. What, what are the WalMarts and Targets called? Are they called Big Box? I don't even know. Yeah. They're not department stores, are they? Yeah, yeah, Big Box. Like, all those folks are going to be open by 6, right? No, no, so I meant, so, like, Wednesday at midnight, I and I, I don't know who, which chain it is, but Wednesday at midnight, somebody will be open, and they're going to be open for 72 straight hours. So, so it, you mean, like, 
Thursday at midnight, Thanksgiving at midnight starting all the way through the day? Yeah, so like 24 hours of Thursday, 24 uh, hours of Friday, uh -huh. and then they close normal time on Saturday. Oh, that's not what I heard. But, um, well, so let me, let me reference what I'm looking at. So okay. I'm looking at theblackfriday.com, and it's telling me all the stores that are going to be open on Thanksgiving at some point. Okay. And I think there's some there's a lot to draw from here. So the first thing I'll I'll mention is is what I was getting at the, the big box stores, the WalMarts, the Targets, um, and then of course like the, the electronics, the Best Buy. Uh huh. Um, they're all going to be open uh, early evening, five or six p.m. Okay. So, so that's no surprise. What I really want to look at that I find incredible are the ones that are going to be open early in the morning on Thursday, like six a.m. We're talking. Okay. All right. So the first, the first we're talking here is Wal uh, not six, but eight in the morning. Walgreens, Rite Aid, and CVS. So pharmacies opening as soon as Thanksgiving Day starts. Okay. That one kind of took me back. Um, and then here are the other ones that I'm looking at. Most most of them are going to be like like I said, five six p.m. Here are the ones that are opening in the morning. Kmart, uh -huh. 6 a.m. Uh, I already said Walgreens and Rite Aid. Big Lots, 7 a.m. Radio Shack, 8 a.m. Who shops at Radio Shack anymore? And then Family Dollar, 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. Dollar General, 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. The rest of them are regional ones that open in the morning, rather, are regional ones that I'm not really sure what they do. Okay. So, if you look at those, let's think about these, okay? Just the ones that are opening earlier, because at its crux, the, the, the reason that these stores are opening early is number one, customer demand, and number two, they want to get ahead of the other competitors, right? Uh huh. So, look at the stores that are trying to get ahead of the other competitors, and think of the clientele that they're trying to draw in. Okay. What kind of blows my mind is are the, the pharmacies. I mean, does anyone break down the door to get Christmas gifts at a pharmacy? No. looking for an ugly sweater for an ugly sweater party? So what are your thoughts on that? Is, that? is this information shocking to you? Does it fit with any perceptions you have of just commercialization? Um, why do you think there's such a demand from lower class, lo lower socioeconomic shoppers to go shop on Thanksgiving?
good Christmas gifts for your family and friends. Because I think, you know, everyone wants to give good gifts, right? Uh-huh. That's difficult, too. That's, you know, what father, when his son asks for a fish, you're giving a snake. You know, that's every, every parent wants to give their children good gifts. And the best way for you to do that on a tight budget is to go shopping um, the day after Thanksgiving. And the day after Thanksgiving, there's nothing going on anyway. Anyway, you're with family, you need something to do, so you go shopping the day after Thanksgiving. Well, you know, it's tough to wake up at the bug crack of dawn, so let's open at midnight, so at least I can stay up all through Thanksgiving, go shopping, and then I can sleep in the next day. It's more comfortable for me that way. I get it. And then now it's, well, Thanksgiving, there's nothing cool going on there. I'm just waiting for midnight, so might as well open the stores a little earlier so I can shop and get that done. So I think the Christmas aspect is I really want to meet the needs of my family and uh, and give good gifts. And then since there's nothing compelling going on Thanksgiving Eve, so to speak. So wouldn't this also be part of the idea of Christmas encroaching on Thanksgiving? That on the day of Thanksgiving, the priority is let me prep myself for Christmas. Absolutely. That's a problem, but what I'm saying is, is that a problem because Christmas is so good or because Thanksgiving is so bad or just our priorities are out of whack? And that's that's certainly a, a valid discussion, and, and it sounds like um, I'm keeping you from taking a strong position on the others because I'm talking too much. But No, um, no. I mean, you're making some very um, very compelling points. I, I, I think there's, I don't know, I don't know Catch-22 with the idea of, you know the the type of stores that are open, but also the they're the same type of people that are are working at these stores. Um, for the most, well, let's, let's be clear: the, the the lower earners are working at all these places, right? Right. Right. So, I mean, and that just adds to your argument that there's more in, there's more incentive to make money on Thanksgiving than there is to actually fight to stay home and celebrate this holiday that you're arguing um, is not put together well, that there's not a strong American thesis for what is Thanksgiving. But also on the consumer side, you know, there's a strong draw to go shopping at this time. Not just on the worker side, does that make sense? Right, yeah, no, it does. Anyways, I mean, I could I could postulate more things from here, but, but you get what I'm saying? I feel like there's some economics driving here, um that has a strong thread of the lower economic classes seeking out ways to make their Christmas better. And I don't know if Thanksgiving is putting up enough of a fight to say, hey, America, not just lower class, but hey, America, this is something that we want to be a part of our culture. This is worthwhile. Right. Yeah. No, I see that. Uh... The only other thing we can offer at 6 p.m. is a tackle football game, right? Yeah. Um... That's the only thing we're offering. Tackle football game and a dinner. Yeah, and some family. I don't know. All those things seem important to me. You know, spending spending time with family. Um, and I've also, I've never been a big, I usually get Christmas presents late for people. I'm also that guy. Um, and that's kind of out of my disdain for the idea of Christmas itself. Like, so you early, you talked about the idea of families doing charitable work on Thanksgiving, which is great, but I've always pictured, like, when I have, when I'm the head of a household, that I would do that on Christmas, that I would think it would be important to to give, you know, the, you know, the giving spirit of, of the, the Christmas time in December to start Christmas Day, you know, with that kind of reflection of giving back to a community, um, going to church, and then a distant third should be the idea of opening presents and, and that kind of nonsense. So to me, because I prioritize it like that, there's not this external need to like get the best deal on you know Black Friday or Thanksgiving. Um, to me, like it's actually worth starting you know the the giving season on Thanksgiving with actually being appreciative of you know having this meal and making it and being around family. So I don't know, maybe it's just like the priorities of the actual day and how we look at both Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, but I think we are doing that. And this is the last thought I'll say, just so I don't type any more time. But I think in a lot of people's minds, that on Thanksgiving, they are thankful for their family. And part of the way they want to show that is, what's a good gift I can get you for Christmas? Right, 
Right. I think that's a natural uh, kind of segue into into the season, and so that's why they want to go shopping and get a good deal and give good gifts. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess that's one way to to show you thanks. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I I just I'm not programmed that way, so that that would not be like my number one way of saying like, oh, I'm thankful for you. Let me get you this great gift. And I agree with you. So my 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 takeaway point here is, I don't like that. That's the best way of of exemplifying that kind of thanks. And Thanksgiving needs a renaissance. Right. So how do we how do we do that? That's that's what I was going to shut up and let you talk. Okay. So you want me to solve the idea of. I mean, and I would use this time then to say what I've said for the longest time, that the number one problem facing America is our educational system. Uh, because some of these traditions that we, I mean, it starts in, in school. I mean, you spend a, a, so much of your, our, our youth and time in school developing ideas and what's right and what's wrong, and it comes from, from schooling. Um, and so, like, a, I feel like 90% of the time when you give me an opportunity to find a solution to a problem, my crutch is always going back to our education system. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a solution to Thanksgiving besides like being a cranky old man and saying to stay home and enjoy your family. Um, I mean that I. I don't. Whew, I don't know. Um, I mean I hear you. Now you just made me even more depressed about Thanksgiving if your best attempt at a renaissance is stay in school. I know. It's, <laughs> it is. I mean, you know what? And I, w- I wanted to bring this up when we talked about politics, but uh, I guess this is a perfect time. I think one of the great things that adds to our discussions is a complete different uh, approach to, to find solutions. I think for a majority of my life, I've always had this idea of like being a part of the system and solving, you know, problems like through government or through education and trying to reach as many people as quickly as possible. Where one of your great gifts has always been, you know, reaching one person very deeply at a time. And so, uh, what why I wanted to bring it up when we get into politics is I find myself as I get older, and having just had a 31st birthday, like you kind of start reflecting on your life a little bit. Um, as I find myself getting older, I find that I really appreciate the approach of that one-on-one and I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating more and more every day that ability to just pour deeply into one person and instead of saying like, let's reach as many people as, as possible. So maybe the solution for Thanksgiving is just that it's a, it's a renaissance of, you know, pouring deeply into the people around us in our life and, you know, letting, letting that like, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, a give it forward kind of idea. Um, you know, if the, is that making sense what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what what tangibly you mean though. Is, Is there something more specific that we, we could do? Um, I mean, so what it like, so, I mean, I personally don't know anybody in my life that is going to go out at six o'clock to go shopping. I mean, I've already said I'll, I'm probably going to see a movie, you know, around eight o'clock. Um, I haven't bought into this idea of a third football game. I'll watch the first two just out of tradition. Um, and then being a movie person that I am, they, they're usually showing one Oscar contender on Thanksgiving. Or a really good family film. So I'll, I'll watch one of those two. Um, but, but besides that, I'm, I don't know anybody that's using the retail market on Thanksgiving. Uh, so I would say the tangible thing, if I did, it would be to invite them over or like pour into that person. Like, you know, does that make sense? That would be my tangible. To make... Thanksgiving, not just family-oriented, but family and friends-oriented. Um, what was the last part you said there? 
opportunity to meet with their families, right? But if we emphasize that it's family and friends, like I'm going to Arkansas for Thanksgiving to see my sisters or my my wife's sister, uh-huh. which is which is cool. They're good folks, but they're not the going to see that whole week. Mm-hmm. So he's saying that if it wasn't just family that got together, like communities or friends, like yeah, make it more inclusive. Right, and uh, absolutely, and I think I mean I've I've. I would say easily four or five times I've gone to your house on Thanksgiving if we're both in St. Mary's at the same time. Um, I mean, I've been to your your house plenty of time on Thanksgiving. So that idea of, you know, the meal's over, what are we doing, uh, and the evening, you know, I would come over and we would, I would hang out with your family and, um, you know, we've played card games. I know, So that's, yeah, the, yes, the idea of, of, of family and friends as well, I think that is... That's what I'm saying. Thank you, Joe. And, and maybe that's why I've always liked Thanksgiving. It's the one holiday my family like does right. I would say, and it's like we do have small traditions on Thanksgiving. There is the meal to cook, um, um, and even the, like it's the least Cuban of holidays, if that makes sense. Like, there's no Cuban equivalent. So I think maybe that also makes it special for my family. Like, it's it was definitely new when they migrated here. Um, and I think I've shared this with you for the longest time, we would cook like a Cuban meal for Thanksgiving, not the traditional Turkey. So like growing up in North Carolina, like we would go to friends house and like we would celebrate with their family and it would be like this, this very, like, I just have great memories of going to people's houses, you know, eating their meals and then, you know, having like my mom would still cook, you know, a Cuban meal as well. So it's a lot of family. It's a lot of cooking. Um, it's a lot of helping, and then, you know, the men are watching football, and so I think somewhere along the line, I just developed the joy of the cooking part and the family part of it, and then also, like, we would often go to someone else's house or go watch a movie, and then when I moved to Maryland, um, and my mom was closer to her mom, and she started going to her house, um, like, I've celebrated Thanksgiving with a bunch of different families, and I don't, I don't know if that adds the specialness or the memories of it for me. Um, but, but I don't know. I'm, I'm really not making a point. I'm just talking about my love for Thanksgiving, like an angry old man, just with no real facts to back up what I'm saying besides like, it's just good. Dang it. I don't think you're saying people is people. Anytime people interact, good things happen. We need to focus more on people interacting on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's, there you go. Thank you very much. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. And there you have it. That is part two of the very special podcast recorded November 20th. So hopefully you've listened to both part one and part two. And next week on December 4th, we'll be back on schedule with our normal Thursday podcast of the Lion Eyes podcast. And we'll have our old favorites, sports, pop culture, among us on Twitter. So as always, make sure to follow us at Lionize Podcast, or send us any thoughts or emails at lionizepodcast at gmail.com. And hopefully, sooner rather than later, we're going to be on iTunes trying to get there before the new year rings in. So remember, Thanksgiving is the best holiday. Until tomorrow, good night.